0: What a special evening for us to all be together as God's people to remember that Jesus is alive, that hope has been born. He came into a dark world. He came at a dark time and he overcame all that would seek to stop him to become the son of God. Amen. Tonight, I want us to think for just a few moments about the fact that hope is here, and this hope that we have is incredibly and intimately personal. What a year this has been. We've all walked through some things that we thought we would have never walked through in a year. For some, it meant change in a job situation. For some, it's meant the loss of a loved one. For some it's been difficult to see what is ahead. And it's at this time that faith becomes even more valuable to us because faith offers us the one thing that nothing in this world can. Faith in Jesus Christ offers us real hope. Not just a wish, not just it would be nice if, but a confident and certain hope. Because on a dark hillside long ago, angels appeared to shepherds, shepherds who many would have thought would have been the least to have heard the message first. Shepherds, the dirty lot that they were, who worked out in the fields, who were often despised and rejected, yet shepherds were from Jesus' lineage. David was a shepherd. Jesus would be called the good shepherd. And so it was shepherds who heard the message first. And what they heard was a message that was incredibly and intimately personal. One verse this evening, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The angels said to these shepherds, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord Now, if you've been around the faith for some time, this is a very familiar verse to you. You've heard it as part of the Christmas story, but I want us to draw out a few words from it tonight to help make this moment truly what I believe it is. The first two words I want us to recognize in this verse is that there is born to you. There's a lot of things that the angels could have said in this moment, but to the shepherds who perhaps would have thought they would have even been the least And am least likely to have heard the message. The angels appeared to them and said, to you, yes, it is for all. Yes, it is for the nation. Yes, it is for those dwelling in Bethlehem. But shepherds, this message is to you. And these words are recorded in scripture so that we might come to a moment like this so that you and I, with all that's going on in our life, So that you and I, who have known what it's like to live weak, in need, guilt ridden, and in confusion, a message comes to us about our Lord Jesus. And it is this to you. So, for the next few minutes, I want you to try to isolate out everybody else that's around you. Don't think about the person next to you, don't think about the children that you have brought or the grandchildren that are here, I want you to think for just a moment about what God has to say to you. Because in this verse, the angels used a couple of different names for Jesus to describe him. And they're all very personal names. And I want them to be personal for us tonight. The first that they used was they said for There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior. Again, one of those words, if you've been around the faith for a while, we hear a lot, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but it's the word Savior that means a rescuer, one who's arrived on the scene to come and rescue those who are being held in bondage to rescue those who are being held captive, to rescue those who are held against their will, to rescue those who can find no way out, a Savior has been born. And Jesus was born to save us, not just for heaven someday, but to save us from the curse of sin. You see, when Adam sinned in the beginning, a curse fell upon the planet and a curse fell upon all who would be born, the curse of sin. You and I would know what it's like to have that upon us because you've known what it's like to deal with guilt, shame, regret, fear, and anxiety about life, the regrets for your own sin, and you would know what it's like to be held in a place of bondage, to be held under the addiction of a sin, to be held down and not be able to be free. And to you and I, Jesus was born and the angels came with the message that he has come to free us, to rescue us, so that you and I don't have to live with the continual, repetitive message of guilt so that you and I don't have to live with the continual, repetitive message of condemnation, rejection, and hopelessness. Jesus came to give hope, and he came to rescue and to save. From Matthew 1, it says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You weren't meant to have to live in your sin. You weren't meant to have to live under the weight of guilt. You weren't meant to have sin dominating your life. You were meant in Jesus Christ to be free. And He came to take the weight, the punishment, the guilt, so that you and I could be free. But it's not just sins in general. It's not just weakness in theory. It's not just a psychological thing because God knows each of our very unique, private parts of our life. He knows the part that the person sitting next to you does not know. He knows the part that you don't post on social media. He knows the part that plagues you when you put your head on your pillow at night. He knows the part that replays in your mind and makes you think you could never be right with God. He knows that. And He knows it uniquely for each of us. He knows where you've been, He knows where you've walked, He knows where your soul hurts. He knows your struggles. He knows what you give into. He knows where you're given over to temptation. He knows where you've been enslaved. And knowing all of those things, He did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. We all know John 3 16, but John 3 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but so that the world might be saved through him. And as far as there's been a curse upon man, Jesus came to free us. Jesus came to save us. As far into your life as there has been pain, as there has been rejection, as there has been guilt, as there has been disappointment, as there has been regret, as far as that curse has made its way into your life, Jesus came To rescue and save. I love the Christmas song, Joy to the World. If you were to, or if and when you sing it this Christmas, pay attention to verse three. It says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. He came to be a savior. But the second thing is that Jesus came to be the Christ. Christ is not his middle name, as many would assume. Christ is a title. It means anointed one. Anointed, chosen, recognized by God to have a purpose. When items in the Old Testament were anointed by the priest's They were used in the tabernacle or temple. They were items that were set aside to be used only there, and they were anointed with oil. They were set aside for that purpose only and not for any other common purpose. There were people in the Old Testament who were anointed as well. Kings were anointed for a special service. Prophets were anointed for a special service for God, and priests were anointed. They were all chosen by God, anointed by men to fill a role that God had chosen for them. Regular people like you and I, anointed by God for something he had called them to. What's fascinating is when you read in the New Testament, it tells us that Jesus was a high priest for us. He entered into the heavenly temple and he made a way for us to enter in as well to know the Father. He made a way by offering himself, by giving his own blood as a payment on the altar. He became the high priest who entered in. He became the sacrificial lamb who paid the debt. He became the anointed one. But I love what the book of Hebrews says because it says that in Jesus being the Christ, the anointed one, the priest, it says he was a priest who was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Ah, some interesting words. Jesus was fully God, but Jesus was fully man. And Hebrews tells us that he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. He knows what we have walked through. So no one in this room can sit tonight and say, well, you don't know what I've been through, Jesus No, he not only knows it because he's watched your life, but he knows it because he lived through it. Whatever you have walked through, whether it's been rejection, loss, whether you've walked through confusion, whether you've walked through uncertainty, whether you've walked through friends who have turned against you, if you've walked through situations that you've wondered what is going to happen next, If you walk through temptation, Jesus has walked through all of that as well. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus knows what it's like to have the evil one come against you. He knows those things. Jesus knows what it's like when everybody turns aside. Jesus knows what it's like to face the culture and feel like an outsider. Jesus knows what it's like when the government is against you. Amen. Jesus knows all of those things. Jesus knows what it's like to pray to the Father and be told no. Jesus knows. He has touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Whatever you've been a part of, wherever you've been, he not only knows about it, he knows the feelings of it. On the cross, The Bible says that he became the payment of sin and became the guilt offering for sin. He actually, 2 Corinthians says, he became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knows what it's like to bear the weight and the guilt of sin in life. So even tonight when you say You don't know the tapes that play in my head. You don't know the thoughts that roll around in my mind. You don't know how dark it can get sometimes. Jesus knows. He doesn't just know about it. He knows the feelings of that kind of infirmity because he is the Christ, the anointed one who has come to free us from all of that. Amen? But he's also in this verse, Lord, Lord, the title that means ruler, king, the one who's conquered, the one who reigns over all, the one who sovereignly controls and reigns over all things. It's fascinating that here the angels were saying that a baby was born and he is Jesus, the Christ, the Lord. As a baby, the angels called him Lord. He was already the one who reigned over all. He didn't have to measure up to it. He was already it the minute he entered into this world. He was Lord of all. And he lived his life and proved that he was Lord over all. Through the miracles, through his life, through everywhere we Read that he went in the New Testament. He proved he was Lord. He's Lord over creation. He was Lord over the wind and the waves. He was Lord over the storms. He's Lord over diseases. He's Lord over circumstances. He's Lord over earthly powers. He's Lord over the governmental rulers. He's Lord over sin and pain. He's Lord over any false religion. He's Lord over temptation. He's Lord over rejection that might come into our life. He has proven that he is actually Lord over death, hell, and the grave. He's proven it all by his life. He was given that name by the angels at birth and he proved it by how he lived his life and the New Testament tells us that. But I'll tell you this. In the fact that he's Lord, it's not just a title. It's immensely and intentionally and intimately personal. Because he is the God He is the Savior. He is the Christ who took your sin upon himself and died with that sin, paid for your sin, rose again the third day, defeating that sin, hell and the grave and death itself, and he entered into heaven, poured out his blood, and became Lord over all. Amen? He is Lord. There's nothing in your life today that is greater than him. Oh, there are things that you and I might think are too great for us, and they are, but they are not too great for him. He is Lord over all. He's Lord over your life. He's Lord over the things that you battle with. He's already conquered them. He's already defeated them. And he is the Lord who will right every wrong. Because that same Lord who ascended back to heaven, he will come again. There's coming a day, and boy, it sure has the feeling of soon attached to it. And when he comes back, he won't come back to be crucified again. He'll come back as the reigning king the second time. And when he comes, he will bring justice to every injustice. He'll bring right to every wrong. And he will settle the score according to his scales of justice and truth and righteousness. But it gets very, very personal at this point. Because each of us in our life, we've had some things happen that are injustices. You've had some things happen where you've been treated unfairly. You've had some things happen where you know it wasn't right what happened to you and you've yet to see the score settled. You've had some things happen that you've been praying against. You've had some things happen that you're still waiting for answers to because right now it seems out of control and it doesn't seem to be any answer to it. Listen, he is the Lord over all of those and when he returns, he will make all things right. Amen? He is the Lord. He is Jesus. He is the Christ. He is Lord. And those who believe in him, those who recognize him as Lord, he says, something happens in us. We become filled with hope. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light. Of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You needed a Savior, He came to rescue you. You needed to know that God knew, He knows. You needed to know that everything that has defeated you in the past has been conquered. He is that Lord. And so tonight, we gather in adoration, like the shepherds did, to marvel at this one, this baby, whose hope pierced the darkness and entered into our world that we might know life. And those who believe in him, we have, Jesus says, that light in us now. We live with that light. Would you bow your heads tonight? Father, I thank you that while we were still sinners, you saw us in our sin. And you sent your son to be a savior, a rescuer. You sent him so that we would know that you know what it's like. But you sent your son not just to come alongside us in our sin, but you sent your son to free us from our sin. So I thank you that he is Lord, he is the conquering king, that on that holy night, hope was born, and hope is here. I thank you that that hope is immensely personal for each of us tonight. We gather to worship and thank you, and to receive hope into the very private, personal parts of our life and allow you to be the one who rescues and frees us. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.